This is How to Japan, and today we're talking about a movie. It's called Fly Me to the Saitama. What are your,、uh, what are your overall thoughts about this film? Before we get into spoilers. Well, I enjoyed it a lot.、Mm. I've watched this movie maybe four or five times, but I'm sure you're going to mention plot points that I don't remember, which will be.、Uh, Memorable. Because <laughs> be like, why go? You watched it five times. Why can't you remember that point? Oh, I don't know. I don't, I don't remember.、Uh, so, what about you? Yeah, I enjoyed it, but only because I've lived in Saitama for a couple of years. Even though there are shitting all over this place that I was、uh, living in, I know we're going to disagree about that, but I, I felt that、uh, it wasn't too mean spirited in the way it chose to. Depict Saitama. Oh, we should provide a little synopsis.、Uh, let, me, let me do that. So,、okay. according to IMDb,、uh, this is a synopsis for Fly Me to the Saitama. In Japanese, it's called Tonde Saitama. But in a world where people are discriminated based on their birthplace, a resident of the much reviled Saitama prefecture embarks on a revolutionary campaign to improve things for his home. Well, maybe I could go into some other aspects of it. Yeah.、Uh, yeah, I'll give you some general facts and information, and then I have a little take on how to do that. I think IMDb did a pretty good job, but、um, maybe I'll just reveal a little bit more of what's going on in there、uh, mm. before we move on. So,、um, <clears throat> this is just general facts going down by、uh, this was directed by Hideki Takeuchi.、Uh, he, this was based on a 1980s boys' love manga by Minio Maya of the same name. It was also called、uh, Fly Me to the Saitama. Uh, it received actually 12 nominations in 2019 at the 43rd Japanese Academy Awards and won Best Director, Editing, and Screenplay. And it was the 13th highest growing, grossing movie of the year among foreign and Japanese movies in Japan. And just among Japanese movies, it was ranked eighth.、Uh, mm. But my, my take on it is that, that there's kind of two plots going on, on in the movie. But the main plot to me is introduced as a radio drama. About an urban legend parallel feudalistic world where Tokyo is held as an exclusive domain of the elites and the surrounding prefectures of Chiba and Saitama are considered second class outposts whose citizens require passports to enter Tokyo.、Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you, you kind of got that feeling like when you started watching it, right? I mean, there's kind of、yeah. two different plots going on there. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's、uh, just dive. Straight into the movie.、Um, well,、okay. before, actually, before that, let's、uh, recommend it to people if they want to watch it. If you haven't seen it, would you recommend people watch it? Yeah, I would. I definitely would. What about、mm. you? Yeah, I would, just with the proviso of maybe understanding a little bit about Saitama beforehand, maybe, could be of benefit. I mean, that's the only reason I enjoyed it, was because I had lived in Saitama and I knew about these stereotypes. And not real prejudices, but uh, uh, like soft prejudices against Saitama. But、uh, yeah, I think I, I think I would. If you're interested in Japan, I think this will give you a glimpse into a prefecture that has been shit on for, <laughs> for many decades. <laughs> so just from that, yeah, that vantage point, you, yeah, you, might, you, you might get something out of it. But I know that、uh, my co host definitely loved it more than I did. Yeah, I thought it was such a, a fun movie to watch for numerous things,、uh, including the set design and costumes.、Mm. The acting, I thought, was incredibly fun to watch. It looked like they're having a blast making this movie. I mean,、mm. I just like the, the absurdity of the situations and the way they、uh, interacted with each other. I mean, they, it, I thought that was fun. And all, there's just all these. Sets and costumes and different、uh, scenes that I really enjoyed、uh, throughout、mm. the whole movie. But really, the set, I, I felt like the set in a way was as animated as, as animated as a live action drama could be, in a way, because of all of the creative、uh, costumes and、uh, props. And the, and the, the settings. I, I felt like you're not going to get outside of actual special effects, you're not going to get、uh, 
any more animated than that, I felt. Let's dive into the movie. Shall we start with uh, the opening? Okay, sure. I remember watching, I, I turned it on, and I thought, what, what, what the hell is going on? Because there's this narrator, and it seemed like, I don't know where the hell we were. <laughs> Can you describe that? The first, very first scene? Do you remember that? Well, okay, the very first scene is like, you're in this white... A blurry area where there's these dancers in these white tights jumping up and down all yeah. in the background. Yeah. And it seems to be some sort of strange heavenly place from long ago. And then we see a guy at a desk, right? And mm. I believe he's wearing something in black and he's telling mm. us like mm-hmm. what we're about to see is coming up, you know? So uh, I felt like, um, I'm not sure if he's, he could be the writer of the manga. Oh, is that right? I believe hmm. so. I think that's why they had him sitting there like that. Because mm. we have to... Mm. Re- Sorry, we have to keep in mind that this is a manga from the early 1980s. Right. So they're kind of like uh, layering that into the, the whole storyline. Mm-hmm. So coming from the mind of this man is what you'll see on the screen. And then, uh, and then we start off with our. Uh, what would you call them? Are they? Would they be protagonists? You know, the people we're introduced to. They're living in Saitama, right? Got a husband, wife, and and their daughter, right? And I remember that egg contraption was pretty awesome, right? Right. Uh, I don't know what this was supposed to represent. Maybe mm-hmm. showing how industrious is uh, the father is, or I don't. Mm-hmm. Uh, like he's some genius inventor or something, but that's never caught upon again in the, <laughs> right. the movie. <laughs> I think it's just one of those silly one-off things that they wanted to show, like uh, giving giving a vision that it's, you know, somewhere in the countryside perhaps, but um, he just wanted to get his eggs, man, from his chicken. It kind of reminded me of Pee-wee's Big Adventure, like a 1980s movies uh, where they have like that. a... Uh, well, there's, I mean, there's a lot of 80s movies with Rube Goldberg inventions mm. where there's like one thing hits another thing and then it's oh, keeps well, clicking Oh, start down, of Back you know? to the Future. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Where the camera pans around. It's got all these got these clocks on the wall and you just see these all these uh, different contraptions like uh, one robotic arm that gives food to Einstein the dog mm-hmm. and it's just overflowing with all this food and it just shows like a... Yeah, it's a perfect opening showing uh, an inventor, an inventor's home. Right. Whereas this I think it was just, his home, was it? I want to get Marty's my home? I don't remember now. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but so many of those movies from the mid-80s did that. And Gremlins, also too. To, remember Gremlins? Yeah, yeah. Gremlins had that, too. The guy was an inventor. Yeah, so there's a lot of it things like that. in his house that never worked. It could just be a product of the 80s because it's, it's a manga that was written in the 80s. So perhaps it was mm. just influenced by those... It wasn't the zeitgeist at the time. Yeah, yeah. It was just like, make some obstacle course where something Mm -hmm. happens and it's wacky kind of thing. Yeah. I think, uh, I I guess they wanted to show that this guy wasn't just a country bumpkin. It wasn't just a farmer, but he had some uh, level of uh, intelligence to create this contraption. Like going against the grain of what people think in Saitama, being idiots. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I, I don't know. I mean, I think that's kind of a stretch, but <laughs> I mean, because like, I, I think that you know, we don't know if he made it or not. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I was probably a, a, uh, projecting too much uh, on this guy who probably bought it from someone in Tokyo. Yeah, yeah. Like, well, he bought the house and it came with this thing. We don't know really what. Yeah. We, I mean, we slowly get to know his deal, I guess, over the over the movie. Mm, and uh, mm. I, I think that uh, even though we just see very, very fleeting moments with that family, I feel like we do get to know them. Don't you? Mm. Yeah, you know, in the car. Yeah, you get it to know d- the family dynamic, how they relate to one another. Well, even the mother, uh, the mother, father, husband, wife, they get into an argument and perfectly captures the division between the mm-hmm. prefectures because she's from Chiba, right. which is uh, uh, that is highlighted with this big fight. And right. uh, the daughter wants to get out of Saitama, right? Right, yeah. And it's the father who's the only one who's got any pride or, you know, in his, in his uh, prefecture. Well, he has like a longing for it. 
you know, he wants other he 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 just wants to be proud of his prefecture that he feels has been thrown to the dogs, unfairly demonized. Yeah, yeah. Am I missing something? Uh, we're we're into we're in the car now, right? Did mm-hmm. I miss anything before they get into the car? We just we just understand that they're going to Tokyo, and then <clears throat> suddenly they turn on the radio, and there's talk. Uh, there's the, this radio station has some urban legend story that they want to tell us or they want Mm. to tell everyone and that's where we go into the uh story that's the main plot of the whole movie i wasn't sure maybe you can answer this for me this question i have but Mm. this was a broadcast that was purely fiction right yeah yes well mm. yeah okay we'll we'll just call it yeah we'll, we'll call it fiction yes Hmm. For all intents and purposes, yes. I thought that this when they when they started going into this uh, radio program, I thought that that was just a silly little throwaway that would last right. five minutes. Right. And I was surprised when it lasted the whole fucking movie. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what's funny the one is part I wasn't interested in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it's like I I forgot that they were in the car half the time. Yeah, like that. So much time goes by, and then they cut back to those them in the car, and you're like, "Oh yeah, they're listening to this." <laughs> yeah, they're not watching anything. They're in a car listening. Right. We're right. being given the visual. We're, yeah, thing. yeah. We're the ones lucky enough to actually see the visuals. Yeah. Which, uh, to me, were some of the most outlandish, ridiculous uh, set pieces and costume design. I haven't, yeah, I haven't seen that kind of stuff in a while. Uh, so I mean I thought it was just so creative what they were doing but let's move on with the plot so Mm. I believe the first scene Mm. is uh, a shot of that that strip club sexalette whatever the hell it is so we see all these businessmen in clothes and all these women and like very Mm, mm. strappy thin scantily clad women and these bras brought S&M type of thing and they're all swinging from ropes and all this yeah. kind of thing and uh, there's all this like discotheque music going on and then we hear a giant uh, emergency alarm mm, mm. and then uh, we we start that we see the police come in and that's where we learn that the police are able to de- uh, to identify who's from Tokyo and who's from Saitama mm. they have some sort of device which allows them to see a saw on somebody's head who's from Saitama. And then Mm -hmm. they find that person and then they kick him out. And uh, all the women who actually came in contact with that one guy, one woman looks at the money that she got and then faints on the floor because she can't believe that she touched money from a man who's from Saitama. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Like she she fainted and threw it away. Yeah, yeah. I was like, oh, I can't take this money. So that's when we really (laughs) learned that is Saitama is this godforsaken place. Yeah. And Tokyo is this place where all the forbidden fruits of the world are at your fingertips. Yeah. And I said I think that's what they were trying to get at there. And then I think we we move into the school at that mm, point. That's right. Yeah. And uh the school seems to be I don't know uh some some sort of 19th century French provincial housing project <laughs> yeah, like for, of royalty. For, for aristocracy, yeah. yeah. Uh, very, like, uh, very like uh, high-class people, very esteemed families. Yeah. And, uh, and Gactor, Gactor is there, yeah. the famous yeah, uh, musician. Yeah, who's, uh, I, I just checked before the podcast, he was born in 1973, and he comes as a transfer student from, from America. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, <laughs> so at this point, I mean, this guy is like 46 years old, and he's playing a <laughs> high school student. <laughs> Which is hilarious. I mean, that's yeah. just... That's so great. Well, why play it off as someone who's like a <laughs> like a kid, right? It doesn't look like a kid, so just make him his fucking real age. Why are you in high school? <laughs> How dumb are you? you? Yeah, yeah. Like they play him off as like the most intelligent guy in town. Of course, he's the most you would intelligent hope so. guy. You he's forty six so, right? years old. <laughs> <laughs> 
I, I just love all the, the girls. They're in their own like dress uniforms that are like these flowing, roughly muted, I don't know, pastel, reddish pink colored dresses and mm. big done up hair that's all braided and shit and they're, mm. they're running around putting their palms underneath their their faces and going oh it's the new person in the, the new guy in town he's go- maybe he'll run for tokyo governor one day won't yeah. you won't you and they're they're fainting before his feet and all this kind of stuff but then we find the uh his uh his at the time his nemesis mm which is a woman, or not a woman. I keep thinking that. <laughs> I know! A, the, I was confused at the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's actually a guy. Because it's it's supposed confusing because, yeah, it's a guy, but when you look at, because she's an actress, it's an actress. Yes. It, it, yeah, so the actress. It's pretty obvious that, too. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a very woman. obvious. <laughs> yeah. Her name is Fumi not- Nikaido. She was born mm. in 1994, so Gact is, you know, 25 years her, her senior. And uh, so, but she's playing a man or a teenager, mm. Mm, mm. Ma- a teenage boy by the name of Momomi Danoura, whose father mm. is the to- Tokyo Preve- prefectural governor. And they become like, they look like they're art- going to be arch enemies. But we soon discover that uh, Gact his character has a way with people, I guess, because mm. they start some sort of burgeoning love affair in a way. Uh, well, it's, kind of, it's confusing because it's supposed to be a guy mm-hmm. played by a woman. Mm-hmm. So if we are meant to see see this person as a man, then it's a yeah. gay relationship, right? It's a homosexual right. relationship. Yes. But, but I... But it's a what? woman. They don't even yeah. try to hide the fact that it's a, that it's that it's a woman, right? Well, also, am I missing? Like, am I missing what's something so here? So confusing here is that the man Momomi's haircut looks like a girl's haircut from like the mid nineteen eighties. Like she could have been in the Bangles or something with her crimped uh, blonde haircut thing going on, and she's wearing yeah. It's 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 so it's androgynous at best but it's more feminine than anything else it's just i thought it was a strange choice unless this is directly from it's, the I, manga so it's accurate yeah. to, if it's accurate to the manga I, i've got the again, manga here let, let me go check it okay you have the manga yeah that's what and that person is that the the person on the cover is supposed to be the man yeah the boy that's oh so it is a woman <laughs> I mean, it's a man, but it's actually a it's actually a girl. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So, so it is accurate to the manga. Yeah. It's just a strange choice. I don't what. I don't know. <laughs> I, I, it's like maybe I'm not be... progressive enough because uh, uh, <laughs> it's just a it's just a normal it's... girl. <laughs> Does she have a penis in this world too? Are we supposed to say that she's she's well endowed or whatever? What the I, fuck? I, I don't know, but like, uh, yeah, it's so confusing. Like, and just as I, we, you know, we start on this uh, tangent because I start off by saying she, but it's he, and it's so hard to keep it in your mind yeah. that Momomi is a man. It's like, is it Momomi least, a woman's name too? Yeah, I think so. I'm pretty sure. Momomi is a. I've never heard of a man named Momomi, so I think it's a feminine name. Yeah, where where in this world it's a boy. What other? I mean, throughout the movie, what are the other um, distinguishing characteristics that make everyone else around her him, <laughs> him. <laughs> think that it's a guy? <laughs> I don't know because even the girls who run around her make it. They they're like, oh, you know, they make it seem like they that. Um, Gact, Leia Sami, his character, and Momomi should be in love, but they... Despite they, they're both they being seem, boys. Yeah, and they're very feminine in a way, and they kind of treat her, him, like a girl in a way. But it is because a girl! They think, yeah, <laughs> but they think of, like, Lei as as the man in the relationship. Doesn't it seem like, like, like the whole movie, like, the he he's taking care of him... Lei, Gact is taking care of Momomi as if he is like a strong 
male protagonist in a 1950s film, you know? And mm, it's like, mm. and, sh- and Momomi is playing the, the weak uh, foil to, to, to Gact. And so they're playing these very male-female traditional roles except for the fact they're both men. And that's fine, but it's so hard to keep it straight in your brain. You know, I've watched movies where there's about gay guys and it's fine. I don't have a problem keeping it in my mind, but with this movie, it's so hard. It's so it, it's hard yeah. not to say she when you're talking about Momomi. I guess we just have to we had to take it at face value at the beginning. Okay, it, it's just yeah. accept it. But I just don't know what kind of device it served. What was a device as in the whole it's just confusing. I mean, well, it's one it's <laughs> one thing it's one thing to have a girl that looks like a man, right? Mm-hmm. Even though it's a girl, and right. it, you can be madder you can be madder about it, right? Like right, we all right, know right. it's an actress and then she dresses yeah. like a man. Okay, great. Right. It's simple. Yeah. Uh but in this case they didn't do anything to change <laughs> her appearance to make her look like a man. I don't know and if it's supposed to mean that she's had surgery. I mean, she's got a penis, but she's actually uh, I, retains I'm these lost. feminine features. But that I, I wouldn't work, though, would it? Because uh, the Fumi Nikaido doesn't do anything to portray herself as a as a male. I know. So it's it's like. <laughs> How it's just are a we girl. Supposed to like keep... I said at the beginning, it's a girl for all intents and purposes. And uh, I mean, maybe we're, we'll be offending um, uh, transgender look, uh, rights activists, uh, but we're just talking about the movie. Uh, yeah. I don't care who you are, what uh, sexuality you are. That's fine. I'll call you whatever the fuck you want me to call you. But yeah, just in terms we're... of watching a movie, I don't know. <laughs> I'm confused as to whether you're acting like a woman and you are a woman. And everyone is treating you as a man. So is that just gender fluidity? Were they ahead of their time? <coughs> so Maybe they were is, ahead of their time where you could just be yeah. whoever the fuck you wanted, like whatever yeah, sexuality yeah, exactly. you wanted. This is a boy's love manga, basically. I feel like a man. Yeah, so I feel like a woman. I can say that. Yeah. I, say, I feel like a woman. Yeah. Like I'm having. I'm on the spectrum. Yeah. I'm more right. feminine. And people are going to treat me like a woman, despite the fact that I dress like a man, talk like a man, act like a man. <laughs> <laughs> But people are going to refer to me as a woman. (laughs) (laughs) And keep it straight in your head. I I was like, what? Like, I don't care. Like, I mean, there's scenes. There's very, we're jumping ahead. There's very sexually explicit scenes of men kissing each other. And Well, yeah. Though that scene, he was taken hostage, right? By a guy in Chiba. Momomi was taken, yeah, Momomi was taken hostage. Yeah, yeah. Well, Gakdo was, wasn't he too? Okay. Uh, they were both taken hostage, but the the scene that were that in particular where the the two men are kissing, actually, yeah, yeah. that happens during a dream sequence that Momomi is having. I see. I see. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> that was the most intimate, sensual <laughs> kiss between two real men yet we yeah. see no kisses between him and the other girl who we're supposed to expect them to have the relationship but there's this other guy who fucking starts kissing him and it's not even between them it's her dream yeah, or his yeah, dream yeah. so his dream his dream yeah it's so hard to keep in your mind it's his dream so that is a signal that she, he Momomi he just call him by the name he's a homosexual call him by the name Momomi yeah Momomi is a is a man who likes other men. Yeah. Because when she when he has dreams, mm. he dreams about men kissing each other sexually. Mm. Yeah, mom, so, mommy's gay. That's fine. Yeah, that's fine. And everyone is fine with it in the movie. No one mm. even raises a hair about it. So, and in fact, the only time we actually get comment on it is when we jump back into the car and Aimee, the girl who's... Uh, on her way to her wedding in the backseat of the car in Saitama says, what are we listening to? Is this boys love manga? Mm, and then mm. it jumps back into the story again. It's like, this is ridiculous. So th- yeah. there's actually like a meta commentary <laughs> on the ridiculousness of the story yeah, yeah. by the girl in the backseat. Uh, so I think she's letting, she's allowing us to, 
she's letting the audience know who's watching this that you should be confused if you feel a little bit confused. Yeah. Well, well, that's a good point. I just thought of this now. Were they in the manga, the conduits for the audience, these mother, the mother and father and daughter? Uh, let me see here. I, I haven't read it. My wife has this book, a manga, and it, it looks like no. So they put it, it in for the movie. So yeah. it served a device for the audience. Yes. Okay, it makes right. sense. Okay. Yeah. That's pretty interesting. Yeah. So we learned something here. Hmm. We learned that the makers of the movie thought the manga was too confusing for regular audiences. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so they. So I'm glad. I'm glad that they had that conversation in the car to <laughs> to let the audience know what the fuck is going on. And I think actually that that allows people who have uh, don't really have much knowledge about Saitama or Chiba or Tokyo to kind of understand what's going on mm -mm. in the movie in the in this urban legend reality because right. you see the parents kind of fight about things and stuff like that so there is kind of a, a a leap into into the real world to allow you to understand that this is what this urban legend is 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 kind of like a a sat a satire on the way people act about you know, it's kind of poking fun at, a, at mm. the whole situation. Right. Yes. So, yeah, we go through there. We go through the school. And that, that goes up to one of my favorite scenes in the movie. Maybe you like this thing, too. Momomi challenges Gak's character, Lei, to a smell-off. Right. Yeah. Right. So, uh <laughs> It's the most ridiculous thing. <laughs> mm -mm. I, I love the, the, the whole pageantry of it. And again, we have the, the girls sitting in the front row commenting on whether or not Gact will be able to smell the different smells of each neighborhood that they've, ca uh, that they've captured in these, these mm. glass carafes. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, so... I, I thought that was done. I mean, I, I think they must have had so much fun filming that because it's, I mean, the most absurd thing, like open it up and tell me what you smell. Like what, mm. what neighborhood do you smell? And somehow that proves that you are an elite person in Tokyo. What do you yeah. think? If you go to different neighborhoods in Tokyo, if you closed your eyes, if you let's say your girlfriend blind blindfolded you and, and took you somewhere and put, uh, shit in your ear so you couldn't hear do you think mm. just by smell you could tell where you were impossible <laughs> i could i could i could you know what i could if it's rural versus a city maybe uh, you know if i'm out okay. like uh near a mountain somewhere and mm -hmm. you, and you mm -hmm. and i'm able to smell the air there versus in the like near a beach or right but but city versus the countryside I don't know. Maybe you were asking me facetiously. <laughs> I don't know. I, don't know. I mean, it's kind <laughs> of like a real challenge. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. But, you know, actually, I heard something. I, I was watching this documentary uh, last week about this band from the early 70s. It's a Japanese band called Happy End. And they were considered to be the first Japanese rock band that used Japanese lyrics uh where people actually thought it was cool. Before that time, people thought it was kind of lame to sing Japanese lyrics in a rock song. This is like mm. early 70s. And mm. one of their songs is about Tokyo during the 64 Olympics and where they said like you when you were in when you were in Tokyo during the summer, winter, autumn and spring, you could tell what you could tell what season it was by the smell in the air. Now they're saying mm. season by season, but you can't do that anymore. They say like nowadays you, you walk around Tokyo, you can't smell any difference. It mm. seems it's always the same thing. So maybe there was a time, you know, in the early 80s where you could go to one neighborhood and it smelled like Shibuya. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Maybe, anyway, maybe a lot of like a perfume from a lot of the <laughs> young girls who are there. I don't know. Yeah. But I think they're just taking the piss on the whole idea that... Um, you know, there, there's somehow the snobby, there, snobby there's, school where people yeah, are, yeah, the are very particular about where they are in Tokyo and yeah. especially at the uh, more rich, well-to-do areas of Tokyo. People yeah. uh, are a little more sensitive to the smells. 
Right. Somehow they, they actually know, you know, yeah, yeah, just smell this and we know it. That's how well we know it, you know. Mm. So th- that's uh, that's w- one of the, the sillier scenes. But um, maybe we should move on to, to another scene where they we find Gact in his apartment building and that's where we discover that he's part of some underground underground movement to mm. save the people of Saitama and uh and bring them in in line with the world of Tokyo. Right. And I, I think that's an example of one of the, the the outrageous set designs and color schemes that go on throughout the movie where he's like he's in his apartment, high rise apartment, and he has these dumbbells, these weights mm. that are like if they were real, no one in the right mind could ever lift them. But it's not just that they're the neon pink. <laughs> like, it's like, where did you get these weights? And aren't they kind of like? I guess they're they're, they're probably playing it. That's a. Uh, <laughs> A constant theme uh, that we that we see. I I did I didn't yeah. think about this until now, but yeah, you're right. The those neon dumbbells. I think it's playing with our expectations of sexuality again. Right. Yeah. Like why and why does like... a guy like that have like <laughs> what these neon pink fucking dumbbells? Wait, wait. Is he so? Oh, okay. Is he more? So he's more feminine than than the other. Momo. What's his name again? Momomi. 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 Yeah. But it's like he. His outfits, uh, you couldn't, there's no outlet in Tokyo or anywhere in Japan where you could find his clothes. Mm, <laughs> I was like, where did he go shopping? There's like this, <laughs> but but anyway, like the, the weights, like he's trying to be like co- covert. Like mm. it must have been such a pain in the ass to carry these fucking weights up a high rise building <laughs> to get into his apartment just so he could lift the weights for this moment. Just this mm-hmm. one moment, it's like 500 pounds of 500 kilograms of weights in a high-rise apartment. It just seemed like uh, just totally absurd. But yeah, it's playing with this kind of idea that, yeah, he's feminine, but he's also strong. Mm. And he, he he likes color schemes, though, you know? Mm. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's an <laughs> interesting, interesting character. <laughs> oh, my God. What was that moment? Are we getting up to that moment where uh, Gakdor stands on the Dove rice cracker? That was one oh of my, my god! Scenes. Okay, yeah, we're getting close to that. Yeah, so that's where the Mo- Momomi and Gakdor are on some sort of date, I suppose, and uh, then there there's an alert that comes out sim- similar to the discotheque, and they found some Saitama people, and it's actually one of Gak's underlings that we saw at the apartment, and the 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 underling's uh, son wanted to go buy something or something like that. And that's where we discover that uh, Gact, uh, that's where Momomi actually discovers that Gact is from Saitama. And uh, the scene that you are referring to is the one in which Gact has to prove to the, to the Tokyo police that he is not from Saitama by mm. forsaking the rice cracker from Soka city right right that has that has a little (laughs) dove on it (laughs) it had uh very strong parallels to silence yes you're forced to stand on you know in the scorsese movie silence (laughs) and they're forcing these christians to stand on the bible or or jesus christ or the cross was it (laughs) yes yeah (laughs) oh no it's jesus christ yeah yeah yeah. jesus christ so in this case yeah they want to put their foot on the dove rice cracker Yes. Which was blasphemy. <laughs> yes, blasphemy. How could I do that? And we, we learned the symbol as well of Saitama, which is... Oh, putting, yeah, the gesture. Yeah, yeah the gesture, gesture, which is the hand gesture where you put your, your pointer finger and your thumb together and then kind of make a, like a butterfly symbol. Mm, but actually, mm. the people in the car, the mom in the car actually explains that it's the ball that you make with your forefinger and your thumb is the Tama ball from Saitama, and mm. the three fingers fluttering about are the wings of the dove on the Soka <laughs> rice wow, cracker. Wow! Yeah, <laughs> yeah they, they did it so often with 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 such uh, with such ease. I started to question yeah. whether it was real or not because <laughs> it looked. Yeah. I started to really appreciate it. I was like, "Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, you're from Saitama, and everyone knows this gesture. 
It's like a secret, <laughs> secret uh, pass to you know. It yeah. gives you, it gives you a way. It makes, it makes everyone real. You know, it's like a secret code you can share with other people from Saitama when you're yeah. trying to live under without being you know, uh, you know, under the cover or, or being under suspicion in Tokyo. Right. Right. Well, one of the my favorite things is that because I, I kind of noticed during that scene when they captured Gak's uh, underlings, uh, that the police are all running around in these tights and these white belts, and they all have. They're basically using the prop is a hair dryer. The prop is a hair dryer, and the <laughs> hair dryer is their gun, is their yeah. ray gun, and yeah. I thought that was just one of the most the best. It, it seems like something you would do in a college, like if you're making a college movie, like mm. you're a film class, and you're like, what do we got, man? We'll just make the most ridiculous thing. Let's get college. a bunch of hair dryers together. High <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it could be that as well. I think it was just uh, so funny to me because even there was no hiding it. The cord was the, the curly Q cords that you have on hair dryers. <laughs> like, mm, mm. like When you point it straight at the camera, it's like you can see the coils inside the hair dryer for yeah, yeah. You know, drying your hair. So I thought it was funny. Uh, so I enjoyed that. It's all those kind of little things that I really liked about the movie. The silliness factor of it. The absurdity mm. factor of it. It, is also, it also highlights and amplifies our differences in mm-hmm. what we appreciate in movies. Because right. I didn't, I didn't think that much of the set design, or yeah, or the direction, um, or the ridiculousness. I guess you know. I think we've had the same uh, division when we were talking about uh, Come On Me Diner, was it? Oh Come yeah, on yeah, Diner? yeah. And yeah, I think so. You talked about the surrealism, and mm-hmm. that fell like a lead balloon for me, and I didn't. I, I mean, I could get it, but mm-hmm. I just couldn't appreciate. It. Hmm. And it was the same think, in this you know, movie. I can enjoy it for uh, what it is. Like I said, the mm-hmm. main reason I enjoyed it was because I lived in Saitama. So mm-hmm. it hit close to home for me. And right. I know that uh, they are very... Oh, the people in, in where I lived uh, in Kumagaya were very nice, very friendly people, uh, and also very self-deprecating. So mm-hmm. th- that was the first time living in Kumagaya. That was the first time I heard this term from one of my students at the time when I was teaching. Uh, the student said to me, uh, "Oh, do you know what Das Saitama means?" Right. And I said, "Das Saitama? What? I don't. I don't know. Da Das Sai? Das Saitama?" She said, "Do you right. know Dasai?" And I said, "Dasai? Ah, right. oh, that means like uh, old-fashioned or lame." <laughs> she said, "Yeah, yeah, that's what we've got." Yeah. And she's telling me this yeah, yeah. as she's smiling, yeah. like she's yeah, got yeah, a, like yeah. a sense of pride about it. <laughs> yeah, I was yeah, like, yeah, well, yeah. I was like, what the? F-? Like, who calls you this?" So everyone outside of Saitama, <laughs> but we call it ourselves as a joke. But I said, yeah, well, yeah. How, why doesn't it, don't, don't you feel offended by these, uh, by being derided by other prefectures? You're ridiculed. They use these bad terms. And she says, no, it's fine. Don't, yeah, yeah. it's, uh, we're used to it. They They're fine with it. So I got offended on her behalf (laughs) or I get offended when I was watching this movie like a part of me was like you know I didn't um, I didn't really appreciate that you know how they were just shitting on a whole fucking prefecture of like over 7 million people (laughs) but you know the thing is what I started to realize is that they're shitting the the movie's shitting on everybody Mm. because it's making fun of it does such a good job of making fun of people who think they're high-minded. Ah, uh, and yeah, that's what yeah. they're that's what they're really doing with the Tokyo elites and you know the French nineteenth-century French atmosphere and how wonderful we are. Look at how great we are. That's really punching up to me. That's mm. like saying, you know, what you think is like if you really think that you're better than Saitama you're a douchebag like it's mm. and i think that's what the movie is really yeah, looking perhaps at. you're right yeah and yeah because even when we're talking about chiba we get into this one of my favorite scenes is the pissing contest that they have each other at the river where mm. everyone comes together and all the all the meat across the river from each other yeah, yeah. and somehow it, this is like this is why i think people would love who don't know saitama chiba or whatever this is why I, one of the reasons why I think people would love this movie, even if they don't know it, it's the conversation that you have 
with people when you want them to know your place is great and you say, oh, you know, so-and-so's from my prefect or my city. Oh, yeah. Mm. Oh, yeah. Well, uh, so-and-so's from my city. And then it's yeah. like it becomes yeah. this tit for tat like and they do this big parade thing where they they have these huge banners and it's like Show these celebrities whoever- <laughs> or actors or singers. Yeah. yeah. Comedians. <laughs> And they mm. take it so they're taking it like the on screen taking it so serious. Oh, though we can't we can't put those guys up. No, no, put Etsuko up. Oh my God, I think they won. And it's like, how? Mm. Who decided who wins and loses <laughs> in this stupid game? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, and that's one of those things. Like I do all the time with my hometown. Like, oh, you don't know my hometown? Well, so and so is from my hometown. Mm. But, you know, like uh, you know who has you know, you know Rocky. You know Rocky's from my hometown. Yeah, you know, yeah the movie yeah, Rocky. Yeah, yeah. yeah we got a we got well, a statue uh, you know, for a fictitious figure. Yeah, yeah. We're proud of him, right? You know, it, it's it's really funny that I think that's what happens with people, and I think like the whole nitpicking about like oh, if you if we're sent to so you know Momomi and they are there, they get um, they try to cross over, they want to get to Saitama, but they have to go through Chiba in order to get to Saitama. Mm. And uh, so they take the train and the train is delayed because of wildebeests. And then they have some found footage of wildebeests, <laughs> which, <laughs> which I found to be, you know, ridiculous. Uh, that that almost seems like a 1940s joke in a way. It's like some sort of found footage shit. But like, you know, so they have to get on this like hor- this, this, this cart that's not even horse-drawn or ox-drawn. It's people drawn. People are mm, pulling mm. the car. And yeah. what's funny about it is that when they're on this cart, the first shot of the cart is the back bumper and there's a license plate mm, on mm. it. And it, it it's like you, you need a license plate for a cart that's pulled by people. <laughs> like, <laughs> these guys are like pulling them through this countryside and then they get found out by the secret, uh, the secret Chiba police. And uh, Gact is telling Momomi, you know, if we get caught by the, the Chiba people, you know, they'll shove peanuts up our noses, <laughs> make us do work on the ocean. It's like, what? And we do see that scene, right? Yeah. yeah. How the peanuts are used. That was a funny scene. I got to admit, that was a funny scene where he's got the peanuts. <laughs> Tormenting him with peanuts. I, I also love the, the, the occasional, they, they end up in Casca Bay. And uh, Kaskave is a small town in Saitama. And, uh, you know, all the places, they all look like the Edo period. It's like 300 years ago. (laughs) The outpost around surrounding Tokyo is a metropolis and everywhere else has been is the Stone Age. Yeah. But, you know, they they uh, Gact commiserates with his uh, with his underlings in Kaskave. And Momomi keeps finding it very difficult to not say you people are idiots because like she hears this story about how the people of Saitama wanted some ocean. So they dig a tunnel. They're digging this long, long tunnel so that they can someday get someday get ocean water. But one day they made a mistake and they hit a lake and they all drowned. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's like, are they idiots? And then like, and she's like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. But then she meets this old man and she, he, who's part of this, this community. And he's like, she hears the story about digging. And I was like, so you're one of, she literally says, so you're one of the idiots who wants to dig a tunnel to the ocean. <laughs> and she, and what was so hilarious with a big fat grin on his face, he bows and nods his head. Yes. <laughs> Yes, I'm an idiot who wants the ocean. <laughs> I just found that so hilarious. You know, like the whole idea, like it kind of reminds me of like, you know, the your your story about living in Kumagaya where the person's smiling is like, yeah, that's I. He's like, yeah, I'm an idiot. <laughs> like, I want the ocean. I want the ocean in my prefecture too. It's, um, it's like, you know what? Yeah. It's a virtuous characteristic or personality trait or, um, yeah. or character of, people in Saitama to be so humble, uh, modest to the point where no matter what people think about you, you still go about your day, uh, not a, not in blissful ignorance, you, you're well aware of what people think of you, but you don't give a fuck. Right. <laughs> you play it up. And I think that's, yeah. a, that's an admirable trait to have. 
I know that in my country, uh, certain parts, people are more proud than others. Uh, but uh, particularly when we're playing rugby against other provinces in New Zealand, there's certain pride you have. And you right. sometimes you shit on other provinces and people can get upset. Uh, could you imagine a movie made in America where you took like the worst place, like Baltimore, and then you made a comedic movie about it? About the drugs and violence, <laughs> it wouldn't I mean, work. John it wouldn't work did because it for it's years. too. Oh, oh, really? Yeah, yeah. You did oh, through the seventies. He did that. He uh, just made fun. I think to a certain but, extent, because um, I think it's like too real. I mean, in Saitama, I think the reason why people are so lighthearted about it and they take it in their stride is because of the fact that it's safe, it's clean. You got all your modern amenities there. It's not like a fucking south side of Chicago or other fucking, I don't know, brutal urban area or, or you know, a place in your own country where everyone knows is a shithole. You know, it's not it's nothing like that. But but right. I guess but you, you're telling me in the 70s there was a guy who made. Oh, yeah. John Waters, the director, he, he made fun of like all, he was always trying to find the these this random group of people who would like do these crazy movies about Baltimore and uh, I think what what's his Smith Kevin Smith's movies are a lot of send ups of New Jersey. Oh, okay. Um, and yeah, uh, but New Jersey you know, is not the same as like the worst. Pl- you know, just taking a place where people are suffering, right, and poverty, or you don't want to make light of that in a comedy. I guess my yeah, point, but, the point I'm trying to make is that Saitama yeah. is not as bad as everyone says it is, and that's why the right, residents, right, right, right. that's why the people from Saitama don't give a fuck because they're actually quite right. happy. Yeah, I think my my wife's from Saitama, and she, when she went to school in Tokyo, she had some classmates who were from Chiba, and it was the people from Chiba who would say like, "Well, Chiba's better than Saitama," and she would just sit there and say, she would just roll her eyes like, mm. "You're from Chiba, like what the fuck? <laughs> like who yeah. cares?" Yeah, neither like, of us are actually from Tokyo, cares? where we where we are right now. <laughs> And but they would always like try to play it up as like no no we're we're and that's what they that's what they mention in the movie as well it's like we're getting more urbanized we're becoming more and more part of Tokyo that's why the the ambassador of Chiba is saying and I I I worked in Ichikawa near Tokyo uh, as like one stop away from Tokyo a long long time ago and people would say that you know it's like you know say like Chiba Station and Ichikawa is very very different I mean. Ichikawa is basically Tokyo. Like they, mm, they really mm. played up. Whereas no one in Saitama, you mm. never hear that from anyone from Saitama. Saitama just people are like, yeah, this is Saitama. Tokyo's over there. Yeah, but I yeah. think uh, <laughs> not so desperate to be yeah. part of the club, to, the elite yeah, club get, of uh, Tokyo yeah. residents. <laughs> yeah, I think that's pretty funny. But um, yeah, we 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 start moving on through the the whole storyline, right? So. We they they meet up with the uh, with their their folks in uh, Casca Bay, and then uh, Momomi has to go back to Tokyo because she has another play on words: Saitama malaria, Saitama mm. malaria, uh, and which can be identified with the hiragana sa all over her body if you look through it on a magnifying glass. Oh, she has it. She can't get anything here, and they're like, "Well, well can't don't we have any uh, doctors?" And they're like, we have the shaman. <laughs> the shaman <comes. laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's like, oh, we have the shaman. No, no, she's got to go back to Tokyo. So she go back to Tokyo and she starts her own plot where she um, has to go out and uh, find the secret way up to Gunma Prefecture, which is considered prehistoric times <laughs> like, mm, mm, mm. <laughs> in its view. But that's like a whole media media fake news thing going on and uh she to, to find out where her father is keeping all this gold that he collects uh for his uh, various escapades uh so even though momomi separates from lei at this point she she's doing her best to help help saitama become free of all this crap mm-hmm. but uh yeah i think that that was kind of a funny scene when she's uh, in gunma and she's 
upside down above a fire pit and it looks as though she's going to be eaten by the natives the bell goes off it rings five o'clock and everyone in their costumes lifts them off their heads and yeah. the big bad beast is uh, discovered oh, yeah. to be yeah. just employees yeah <laughs> employees and there's one lonely manager going hey we're not done yet we're not done yet and it's like it's five o'clock it's now time to go home she's like what the hell is this it's like it's been a cover-up kuma's not really in this bad of a condition and she soon discovers where all the gold is being uh, uh hidden by her father yeah yeah that, that was pretty funny that's uh so we we find ourselves going through that situation and then we have gacked lay and his compatriots they have to get together in a secret meeting and this is where all the people, all the surrounding towns in Saitama get together and they decide, what are we going to do? So they, all, all these people, the old people from Omiya and people from Urawa, the representatives, mm. start arguing over which town, which part is better. Mm-hmm. And they're, they're like, no, 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 actually, we're the center. No, we're the center. And then somebody from Higashi Matsuyama uh, comes up no sorry guys sorry guys wait wait a second look if you look at a map of the prefecture we're actually the center like, get out of here we don't want to hear your stupid thoughts but then lei goes on this big uh tirade where you you mentioned the word dasaitama where lei goes in this diet this whole long list of words that sound like saitama mm-hmm. so like all these words like kusaitama which means yeah. si- stinky uh saitama pain in the ass saitama any mm. kind of word mm. that kind of ends with a sa yeah ends up being like a, a conjunction with saitama yeah it's yeah. an endless list i thought that was uh, it was kind of creative but they they in the end they discover that they they need the will to to join forces uh in the end with chiba prefecture to to infiltrate tokyo and uh get what's theirs at last Mm-hmm. And we we find I, I don't know if I just move into the the ending there. We discover yeah. that Momomi Momomi is in the the top of the uh, the metropolitan building of the governor government, and it's actually the real building, which <laughs> of all mm-hmm. the places, everything else is fake except the actual building that is really there in Tokyo. And yeah. the governor is on top of the building, and she has all these secret documents. And she's going to throw them out the window, and she betrays her father uh, for his for his, She betrays. He betrays his father. Jesus Christ, this is hard to say. He betrays his father and throws all these secret documents out the window, thus opening up the plans for Saitama to become the the normalization of of Japan. Yeah, I mean, so when she threw out the hundred, was it like a hundred pages or something? I, I guess so. But it I, made I its way down thing. to all those thousands of people? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> It'd be kind of hard to figure out, piece that all, all the things together, but... I mean, this uh, is from the I, same I movie where they're using hand dryers as fucking guns, <laughs> so shouldn't be too, like, uh, pedantic about uh, these details, should I? <laughs> uh, but, like, I think uh, w- the, the ending, it gets kind of futuristic and kind of scientific scary-like with Saitama, like... The dystopia. whole plant, yeah, dystopia. It's like a dystopian Saitama world where everyone it, can enjoy themselves in Saitama's wonderful department stores and uh, all these things. And everyone has little symbol. The symbol is used to go into different places in Tokyo if you're from Saitama. But I think the, the, the ending uh, where we where the credits start to roll. I think that was probably your favorite part, right? Where you hear yeah. the song. Yeah, sorry, yeah. but yeah. I think the song was my favorite part. Yeah. <laughs> where that famous singer, well, at least when the release of this movie, I yeah. think he was still, I don't know, is he still popular now? I don't know. I, I haven't so, watched a lot. Yeah. I haven't watched Japanese TV a lot recently, but yeah. uh, he's, uh, he's one of those uh, comedians that uses music to right. make people laugh. Well, it's uh some of the the funny things that he says in it are for example uh <clears throat> even though when if you talk to somebody from Saitama uh compared to someone and you're talking to someone from Tokyo the guy the people from Saitama somehow know way more than anyone else in the room about Tokyo they're like the most <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they yeah. know everything about Tokyo <laughs> or if you're if you're in Ameyoko, which is this walking street shopping district in Ueno, 
if you see a guy eating melon, he's from uh, he's from Saitama. It's <laughs> just like some <laughs> random factoid. Uh, yeah, there's a uh, there's a whole bunch of oh, I also uh, Saitama is spelled with hiragana, which is kind of like a written alphabet script in Japanese. Yeah. Yep. And he keeps saying, like, every every sign has Saitama written in hiragana. Why? Why isn't can't, it in kanji? And can't these idiots... You know, like, come up with any fucking... Kanji? Like, use kanji, a proper fucking system <laughs> for the name? Ah, oh, it's great. Why? Yeah, there, there's so many different uh, things. And then he reveals that even though he's from Saga Prefecture, I think, he was actually born in Kaskabe. So... Yeah. <laughs> he likes Saitama, too. And in the end, I guess the parallel story, the real story with the the girl, she they actually in the end drive up to the um, up to the wedding engagement area, and she gets out of the car after listening to this ridiculous story, and finds her fiance in her his car, uh, weeping, and he's mm. just like, "Oh my god, you were listening to that stupid radio show as well," and he's like, "I, I don't want to move to Tokyo." I want to build a house in Kaskabe. <laughs> She's like, what? Kaskabe? No, I want to get out of Saitama. What are you doing to me? So that's, uh, that's how that kind of wrapped up. But there was also another reveal at the end, which was, do you see the mascot for the NAC5 radio station, which is a Saitama radio station? Mm. And you see through through the window, the, the big head there. And this is after after the wedding thing goes on and it's the story has already ended we we go to this radio station and the person is telling the story the whole story lifts the mascot head off of their body and it's revealed to be momomi momomi is telling this story that has been broadcasted to the cars that mm. have been listening to it the whole time and Gak's character is sitting opposite of him as well. So, mm. is it real? Is it fake? Who knows? Right. Kind of thing. Who who was um your favorite character? Oh boy. Um I guess it would have to be Gak's character just for his uh portrayal, his nonchalance portrayal. I of, uh, <laughs> I liked yeah. him too, but I liked the seriousness with the overacting. Uh-huh. It was like it was like this mix of of both overacting and being serious, like taking it taking yeah, yeah, it seriously. Yeah, yeah. But it's obvious yeah. that he was deliberately overacting some yeah. uh, many occasions. So yeah. I think him and the Chiba guy. What was the Chiba, yeah, yeah, Chiba yeah. guy's name? Yeah, well, the Chiba guy. Uh, I thought he was entertaining too. Show Akutsu. He was good. I liked him too. Yeah. I liked them both. Yeah, he was fun. They were both fun to watch. And what favorite moment? Oh my God! So I guess the my the one that stands out right now is the the contest between Saitama Prefecture and Chiba Fre- Prefecture over the river, mm-hmm. uh, showing who's the who's the best. And then uh, the sec- second place comes the smelling contest. But there's so many different scenes that keep popping up. There's one that I didn't mention earlier is when Gact and uh, Ma- Momomi are running to Saitama, and it's suddenly this shot where everything's kind of a blurred gray background and it looks like they're running through time. They're kind of lost in this world. I thought that was a really interesting effect that they did uh, there. There's so many different individual scenes that I really, really liked. Is there anything that... I was going to say, uh, yeah, the rice cracker scene. I loved it. I loved oh. the, the fact <laughs> that the the camera zooms up on the dove. Yeah, so you see a close up of the dove. Is this this moment of the camera cutting between the face of Gakdor and the dove, and he's like right. trying to put his foot down? And uh, I thought uh, I thought it was really well done. I mean, there are many moments, but that stood out to me as. Right. So, what do you? What would you rate rate it out of five? Uh, what are we going to use uh, for a so, rating system? Oh, I think we should the the rice cracker. Okay, let's do it. Man. Rice cracker. Okay. Okay. So, for all intents and purposes, each time we do this rating system, if I like a movie. This movie is not silent. <laughs> okay. Mm. This movie. Yeah, we can agree on not, that. <laughs> it's not Seven Samurai, mm. but for what it's for, but for what it's worth and what it was trying to do, I think it achieved everything or nearly everything it was trying to do. So I would have to give it out of five rice crackers. I'm going to give it five rice crackers, and you know what? I wouldn't give five rice crackers to Seven Samurai. Because I would be giving samurai swords, I would mm. maybe give three. I would probably give three rice crackers to Samur- Seven Samurai because it's not living up to 
what those rice crackers mean, right? Mm. Each each movie. If I say if I went to Kamomo Diner and I said, "Hey, how many rice crackers do I give that?" I might give that four because it's kind of I don't know. But Godzilla, I'm not giving I'm not giving Shin Godzilla five rice crackers. Mm. You know, yeah, it doesn't deserve yeah. the rice crackers. Tonde uh, Fly Me to the Saitama deserves five rice crackers. Okay, I'm going to go with. Three, three dove rice crackers. It was, it was, okay. uh, yeah, entertaining in parts, but ultimately, I think uh, the uh, the the direction felt flat to me. Also, just the way it went around telling the story didn't resonate with me somehow. The com- some of the comedy didn't work for me, and also, I guess I got off on the wrong foot at the beginning, being confused with the sexuality or the gender of <laughs> of the person and uh, the one of the main characters not knowing what yeah. the fuck is going on, even with the explanation in the car. It was like, oh, it's a boy's fantasy, a uh, boy's love story. And from that point on, I wasn't, uh, wasn't as uh, engaged as I am with other movies. I could appreciate what they were doing, though. I do, mm-hmm. I do like that it was uh, quite unique. Right. All right, sounds good. So uh, you would recommend it. We've already talked about it. You recommend it, and I said I would recommend it too for people who are interested in Japan and Saitama. Uh, I think, uh, yeah, you'll get some insight into how Japanese treat one another. (laughs) (laughs) Like from different prefectures. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you have anything to add? No, that's about it. Okay, well, until next time, have a good one. All right. Bye-bye. See you.